good to, to be here with you guys tonight. Uh, I am Pastor Mark. I'm the Associate Pastor at New Day Community Church. It is so good to be with you guys uh, again tonight. I spend much of my time down in Vandalia, the New Day Vandalia, and things are going swimmingly uh, down there as they are at, at all three campuses. So it's just fun for me to, to have the opportunity to, to get around to, to all the campuses and, and interact with you guys. It was great seeing some, some faces I haven't seen for a while tonight. So thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you for, for having me. And tonight we are continuing our series on the journey to Easter. This is week number five, and we are talking about lament. We're talking about lament. And the, the goal for tonight is to kind of grasp or, or wrestle with this idea of what is lament, what is biblical lament. We're going to take a little bit of time working through a, a psalm of lament in Psalm 22, and then look at how Jesus actually uses that psalm of lament on the cross in his darkest moments. Probably everybody has heard and maybe watched the, the news about the events that happened about a month ago in Parkland, Florida, the uh, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, how 17 uh, people were, were gunned down in this high school, and it's just heartbreaking. Right? I was watching a, a news program, and one father was, was talking to some, some legislators about the gun control stuff, and, but his, his heart for his daughter that he was never going to, to see again, as a father, it's just heartbreaking. And while I have never gone through that myself, I know enough people who have had to walk through the, the pain of losing a child or the, the pain of losing someone they, they love, that it just you grieve. And last week, my, my kids, they go to Portage Northern High School, and one of the, one of the days they had uh, this big the student-led walkout to to raise awareness or to protest gun control. And this is not a gun control message. I don't care which side you land on that. But the, the, the idea is that these kids recognized that things are not the way they're supposed to be. Yeah. We are not supposed to be fearful of our lives when we go to school. Right. And so, in, in a sense, this protest was a lament. They're crying out because often a, a lament can be prophetic. It is this recognition that things are not the way that they're supposed to be. And biblical lament is a, is a crying out to God saying, God, do you see this? Are you aware of this? And it is a, a passionate expression of our grief. And as I was preparing this message, I actually looked for uh, in a number of dictionaries for a, a good definition of lament, because I wanted to, to get it right. And, the, and the, the first one I came to, and what ultimately I decided was the best one, was from our friends at Google. <laughs> not not Merriam-Webster, not Dictionary.com, not those other guys, but our good friends at, 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 at Google, because they added one word 
to their definition. Everybody said that it, the lament is an expression of grief. But Google said, said that it is a passionate expression of yeah. our grief. Yeah. Often in word or, or song. Yeah. It's, it's this expression of this feeling inside of us that, that recognizes, as, I, as I've said, things are not the way they're supposed to be. And as Christ followers, we see this, the, the heart of God in, in the Bible, and we, it, the, the Spirit resonates within us that we know that God had this perfect place created for us. God had this utopia in the Garden of Eden where we didn't have sin or death or corruption, where we would walk hand in hand, we would walk side by side with, with God. And then the fall came, and God all messed up, but as, as Christians, we also know that that is where we're heading again. We are, God is, is coming back to set everything right again. And so lament cries out for the coming kingdom. Mm -hmm. Lament recognizes this great gulf that is between our current reality and where we know things should be. And we lament when we look at the brokenness of our world. Mm -hmm. We lament when we look at the, the sin and depravity that runs rampant in our culture and, and throughout the world. We lament at sickness and death and pain. And my hope tonight is that through the, this message, I give everyone permission to lament. And so we want to take some time to specifically look at what biblical lament looks like. In a book called Reconciling All Things, the author, uh, I'm from my how's this? Did that? Lament is not despair. Okay, and that despair there, you know, meaning the complete loss or the absence of hope. Lament is not despair, it is not whining, it is not a cry into a void. Lament is a cry directed at God. It is the cry of those who see the truth of the world's deep wounds and the cost of seeking peace. It is the prayer of those who are deeply disturbed by the way things are. This is what lament is. And we see lament throughout the, the Bible if we are open to it. We see people lamenting for, you know, the, we see Joseph lamenting when his father passes away. We see people lamenting their, their kids. We see people, you know, lamenting when people die. Uh, where else do we, we see lament uh, in the prophets when they, they see the, the depravity and how the people of Israel have abandoned God. We, we see lament throughout. There's an entire book called Lamentations, yeah. which is five <laughs> songs or five prayers that, the, that these Israelites wrote after in 587 B.C. after the Jerusalem is destroyed and they're exiled. And it's these people who are crying out in agony at the, the loss of this thing that was central to their faith and central to their lives. And now it's gone. And they're lamenting. 
And over half of the psalms are psalms of lament of one kind or another. And when we look at biblical lament, especially in the psalms, we see uh, a repeated structure. Right? We see... can't remember which way to go here. No? Push to the left. I'm just going to say it out loud, and I'll never forget. Left. <clears throat> okay, so we see this uh, three parts in biblical lament. First, there is always uh, a complaint. Uh, there is Second, there is a petition. And thirdly, there is anticipatory praise, or there is uh, hope. And so all three parts of... of of, or all these three parts are typically found in laments, though sometimes the, the author, the, the poet, may leave one out or another for a specific purpose to really drive something home. But often, as we look at biblical lament, we'll see all three of these repeated. So let's quickly look at Psalm 22. In verse 1 and 2, we have the complaint. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. The author really lays it out there. Yeah. He's not pulling any punches. God can handle what we're actually feeling. Right. And this is a, a psalm of David, and we're not exactly sure in what context he wrote this psalm, but if we read through the, the story of David in the Old Testament, we find he had numerous occasions where he could have written this psalm. Yeah. You know, maybe it was the, the, the time later in his life when his son Absalom, Absalom rises up, kicks him out of the city to take over the kingship, and, and David is running for his life out of the city. Mm. Out in the desert, out in the wilderness, crying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from me? And what I want to show us tonight is that we can talk like this to God. Yes. We don't have to tiptoe around him. We have permission in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our despair, in the midst of our, our, our struggles, of our doubt, to not theologize. 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 That's probably not a real word. But this, this thing right where we try to go, okay, this is really hard, but oh, I know what, you know, Jesus died for me and God hasn't abandoned me and so I can't really feel like this, right? I've got to, I can figure this out. No, it's okay just to go, God, why have you abandoned me? Why have you left me for dead here? This sucks. Can we say sucks? We can say sucks. Yeah. <laughs> we have permission just to let it out there, to really complain. It's right there in the Bible, all over the place. But this isn't where biblical lament ends. And this, I think, is the trick, right? We can't just stop with this complaint, God, you have abandoned me, but the biblical authors move into a petition. And so we see a, a, a change around verse 19 here in the 22nd Psalm. David writes, But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword. 
my precious life from the power of the dogs. And he goes on, rescue me, save me. Yeah. And as we read in that quote, this uh, uh, lament is not a, a cry out into the void. We lament because God exists, because we know that things are not the way they're supposed to be. And so we cry out to God, and we invite Him to, to come and to, to intervene. Mm -hmm. If we are lamenting uh, a sickness or some situation, we can invite God to, to come and, will you intervene, Lord? Would you change this? Will you bring your healing touch? Will you come and, and change my circumstances here? And, and we've seen God come through in incredible and amazing ways in answer to those prayers. But sometimes we lament in the, in the face of things that are not going to get fixed mm -hmm. on this side of eternity. True. And so in our petition, we invite God, would you come and would you strengthen me? Mm -hmm. Would you help me? To, to walk faithfully after you in the face of this situation that I cannot figure out. So we invite God in, we petition him to come. So we have permission to complain. We have permission to petition God to, to come. And thirdly, we have permission to hope the anticipatory praise. And this is something that makes the lament so biblical, right? This is what biblical lament is. It's not a withdrawal from God, right? We often want to get done with the lament part or this grief part because we see somehow that that is a withdrawal from God, like we're kind of avoiding the truth, right? But really, lament throughout the Bible is not a withdrawal from God, but a running towards Him. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's just, uh, just this pressing in to God. It's re reminding ourselves that God did not abandon the world. That God has not left us for dead. God has not looked at the, the pain and the, the brokenness and the, the, the messed upness of this world and said, Jeez, glad I'm not down there. Right? No, he saw all that garbage and he said, I'm going. Yeah. I am going, and I'm going to make this right again. And so in verse 29, here at the very end of this psalm, all the rich of the earth will feast and will worship. It is this kind of end of, of days, kind of looking uh, at the eschaton, I don't know what the right word is, the, at the end when Jesus comes back. Right? And he says in verse 30, Posterity, all future generations will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. We see throughout these biblical laments that they end in this hopeful place. Because mm -hmm. God has not abandoned us. God has not forgotten us. And tonight I want to give you permission not to feel like you need to rush to hope. Right. Grief is a process. Mm -hmm. right? and, and we all deal with it in, in different ways and we all move through the, the steps of, of grief in, in different times and different tempos. But don't feel that you need to, to rush. If you need to sit and complain for a little bit, it's okay. 
We don't need to, to look at lament as bad. And as we look at the situation in the world, when we look at the, the reality of death and sin and corruption, lament is probably the most right thing that we can do. So we draw close, we complain, we petition God, but we hold on to hope. And what we're going to see tonight is that Jesus uses this very psalm in his last moments on the cross to lament to God. And so if you have ever thought that good Christians don't talk like this to God, right, that, that good Christians don't, you know, cry out angrily at God or, or shake their fist or question God to go, why are you doing this? Well, then you haven't really engaged with the reality of this text. Because Jesus himself laments to God while hanging on a cross. Mm -hmm. So we're going to look in Matthew chapter 27, verse 38. It says, Two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, You who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the Son of God. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the, Lord, of the law and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said. He can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross. Then we'll believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I'm the Son of God. In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. This is a sobering passage. It's weighty. And too often, I want to just kind of push through this because I know what's coming. I know the resurrection is just a couple days away. Let's hang out there. That feels a lot better. Right, but here, on, on this day, on, on this Friday, in his crucifixion, he is hanging on a cross, abandoned and alone. And, and the, the last couple of weeks, we've talked about the Last Supper and the, the Garden of Gethsemane, and, and we, we've seen how Jesus, in, in this moment when he is right on the threshold of the cross, says, as one of you is going to betray me, certainly not, Jesus. Not me. And then they go into the, the garden of Gethsemane, and Jesus tells them, you guys are all going to abandon me. You're all going to run away. Peter declares, no way. No way. Even if all abandon you, I will die for you. And Jesus tells them, when the rooster, you were going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And we, we see that played out. We see everybody in Jesus' life, his friends, his family, his disciples, all abandon him. And now he's here, alone, on the cross. Jesus, the, the sinless one, the, 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 the perfect one, the one who spoke all things into creation, the one who healed the lame and opened blind eyes, the, the one who fed 
Jesus, the Messiah, is alone and dying on the cross. Between two rebels, two criminals. And the, the people who are there in Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, maybe they've heard about Jesus, they've heard about his teachings, and now they see this so-called Messiah up on a cross, and it says they hurled insults at him. They're like, it's not quite enough that he's nailed to a cross right now. We are going just to despise him and ridicule him and attack his identity. Who do you think you are? You said you were the son of God. You said you, the, the temple was going to be destroyed. You said this and you said that, but now look at you. You are nothing. And Jesus is silent. We see the, the chief priests and, and the Levites, these religious leaders, they are there, and they are, I bet they're so happy. Finally, we've dealt with this guy. Yeah. This guy has caused so much trouble. You think our temple is going to be destroyed? I don't think so. You're going down. We've done it. We don't have to worry about this anymore. And then, to make matters worse, these two guys, these criminals that probably deserve why they're actually nailed to these crosses, they, in, while they're nailed to their own crosses, start ridiculing Jesus. And in verse 45, the story picks up. The author says, From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then some of those standing there heard this. They said, He's calling Elijah. Immediately one of them ran and got a sponge, and he filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. And the rest said, Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. And so here's Jesus, abandoned by his friends and his family and his disciples, alone, being mocked and ridiculed, his identity being attacked by those walking around, these criminals around him. It's just him and God. That's all he's got left. And then all of a sudden, he cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And why does he cry out in this loud voice? I think it's because this is what he was feeling. This is what he was going through. It's not like this moment was a surprise. We saw it in the garden, and we saw that, you know, that he, he said, you know, uh, not my will, but your, if there's any way to take this cup of suffering away, but not my will, but your will be done. Mm -hmm. He told the disciples, I'm going to rise again on the third day. He knew what had to take place before he rose again. Yeah. He's going to die. And he, so he knows, this isn't a surprise, and he knows that the, the resurrection is going to happen. He knows that he will be glorified again, but that does not minimize the, the pain and the, the agony that he's experiencing as he feels like God has abandoned him yeah. in this moment. 
And so when he feels this pain, this, this grief because of all that is happening, all of this abandoned, what does he say? He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? A lament. The lament of David that we looked at tonight. This, this lament which every Jewish believer, every person hurling insults at him, every person mocking him for claiming to be the Son of God would have immediately recognized him. This was part of their songbook, or their songbook, right? They would have sung this. They knew, and so while Jesus doesn't go through the entire psalm, these people hearing it would have immediately filled in the details. They knew how this goes. And so when we read this, we don't want to just quickly get through it so we can get to the resurrection. We can stop and we can wait and we can stay here and recognize the, the pain that Jesus was enduring, this, this pain that, that Jesus endured for you and for me. Mm -hmm. That he was willing to die on, on the cross, to, to have nails driven through his hands and his feet, to be beaten and whipped. And then, worst of all, the Father turns his face away. And Jesus weeps, Jesus laments, Jesus grieves in this moment. And he cries out, why? Why? God, why? And this isn't Jesus losing his faith. Yeah. He's doing good in that area. But this it's just an expression of this deep and unimaginable pain at feeling abandoned by his father. And so we all can know what that feels like to some level or another. Yeah. Right? Maybe some of us might be in the, the depths of, of grief right now. Feeling like you have to kind of pull it together. I'm in church. i got to look the part. i got to put my Jesus worship face because i got the joy of the Lord. I'm full of gladness. Everything's going to work out. I just want to give you permission to grieve, and to lament, and to complain. The church should be the, the safest place for us to do this. Right? We, don't, we shouldn't need to go, well, I'm going to stay home, and I'm going to pull myself together, and then I'll come back to the church so I can testify of the goodness of God. But we can come and go, Pastor Anthony, this sucks. God's baked but one thing that we've excuse me, one thing that we've been hammering the last four or five weeks is the benefit of doing life and community. And so when I am lamenting and when I am in pain, I can have people around me, my family, come and they can be strong. And maybe they don't we don't have to give pat answers. Don't do that. Don't try, you know, we don't really see a, a clear answer. God doesn't to come down when Jesus cries out, why? He doesn't come down and go, well, let me explain it to you, Jesus, right? It's just left in this, this mystery and it's this pain, and we feel that. And we don't have to theologize our way out of that. And so when we're struggling, we should be able to come and safely express that in the church and not feel rushed 
to get through. But at the same time, we can remember that this complaint leads to a petition because we recognize in the, the grief of this situation, we grieve because this is not how things are supposed to be. But we remember in the process of lament that God is good. God is on the throne. And he is going to fix this. Jesus is coming back and he's going to make everything right again. So you have permission to lament. Lament is not withdrawing from God, but pressing into God in the midst of pain, confusion, even anger. Lament is this prophetic declaration, you know, expressing our pain, saying, God, this isn't how things are supposed to be. Let your kingdom come. So, tonight, I just want to let this story and this song be a reminder to us to value and to, to give space for and maybe even pursue lament in our lives and with our friends, in our church, and in our community. I think it's interesting that over half of the psalms were laments, and this was their songbook. We don't, we don't sing a lot of lament songs. And maybe we should. I'm a worship leader. I'm as guilty as anybody else, right? I, I choose the songs that we sing. But there's this thing that is, it's almost like in America or in this Western culture, we just want to get through pain. We want to get through grief. I want to turn it off. Maybe it takes a drink, or maybe it's just a, a, a movie, or, or maybe it's whatever it is for you. Maybe it's chocolate cake. I just want to get through this pain. But I encourage you, invite you, and as a church, let's embrace this and go, we need to lament. It's not bad. It's really the most right thing that we can do in the reality of this world that we live in as we look forward to Jesus coming back and setting all things right again. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we thank you that you were willing to go to the cross. Lord, that you were willing to endure the, the pain, the, the shame, and the, the difficulty, the agony of that. That you would be willing to, to bear the, 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 the sin, the, the penalty of the sin that we could never pay. That you were willing to endure that so we could be made right with God and spend eternity with you. Lord, we thank you that you have given us permission to lament. Lord, that we can tell you, we can just pour out our real feelings and our real thoughts to you. Lord, we thank you that you will come and invade our circumstances. Lord, we thank you that you are not far off. You are not distant, but you are close. You, you showed and proved that closeness by sending Jesus to die. 
We thank you that you not only recognize our grief, but you partook of it as well. And Lord, today we declare that even in the midst of the mystery of whatever situation we may be in, we declare that you are good, that you are faithful. Lord, we love you. Lord, help us as a community to lament well. In your name we pray. Amen. One of the things I've learned along those lines is that honesty is intimacy. The God who loves intimacy invites us to honesty. So pouring out your heart and